We could survive that. We could survive that. We could survive. Where civilization ends, survival begins. Come on, get in! The Edge. Hello and welcome to We Could Survive That, your survival guide to the movies. I'm Jack, and today I'm joined by a man who doesn't feel sorry for a man who owns a plane. It's Chris. Yeah, why would I feel sorry for someone who owns a plane? They own a plane. They have money. They have the bling. They have the dough. They move it around. They're cocaine dealers. <laughs> of course. Why else would you want a plane other than to deal in cocaine? Yeah. Trump or anybody else that owns a private jet oh oh no you went straight for the president (laughs) oh you don't hang about burning satire you should probably say apparently just so you you don't get executed by the chief commander of the free world I'm not going to say apparently I wanted to stay Mr. President if you do go crazy crazier and take (laughs) over the world just know I had no part in what my colleague said. You're a wonderful human being, even though you're a strange, crazy, weird, orange mess of a man. Great guy. Great guy. <laughs> Sarcasm. I, I got that. Good, yeah, good. I got that. <laughs> okay. We're both going to die. Uh, Excellent news. Shall we, shall we talk about movies in, instead of harsh political satire? <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at that, so uh, on to the films. No, yeah. This week, Chris, we are talking about the 1997 film The Edge, starring Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin and Bart the Bear. Uh, of course. Of course, Bart the Bear. Um, it's a very interesting film, Chris. It's, it's a quintessential survival film that we make our bread and butter off of. Anthony Hopkins plays an intelligent billionaire called Charles. Now, Charles, he's made his money... In his downtime, he likes to read books and keep informed. And through those activities, he's managed to gather a huge amount of knowledge that he doesn't usually put to the to the test. So he likes to read books about surviving in the wild and history and um, culture and stuff like that. And he's able to retain that knowledge and spout it back out at you. So he's very clever. He's, he's kind of a Sherlock guy. He's got a mind... A palace thing going on there. It just sounds like he's got good memory. Y- yeah, and lots of money. Not necessarily means he's clever, it just means he's got a good memory. Well, he uses that knot, he can implement it. Can you do a Rubik's Cube? Probably. In 20 moves? Yes. What about 10 moves? Yes. Five. 11? No. <laughs> has to be. Has to be even numbers. So that's, uh, yeah, that's Anthony Hopkins' character. Now, the film opens up with Charles flying out to a hotel cabin that he's hired out for himself and his friends uh, for the week. And they're going to relax, chill, have an adventure in Alaska. Uh, joining him in the cabin is his wife, Mickey, who's a model. And also with them is Alec Baldwin's character, who's called Bob. He's a photographer. <laughs> I like that. Full name Robert Green, but he's, he's Bob. And Bob's also got his assistant, um, Stephen, and there's a few other people with them that aren't too important. But there's also Charles's best friend in the world, and he's called Plane Pilot. Remember him. He's very integral to the plot. Plane Pilot. Yes, he's very important. So the intro 
of the movie is basically establishing Charles and all the other characters and establishing Charles's brilliance and, and cunning and also setting up a potential love triangle between Mickey, Bob and, of course, Charles. So there's something going on between the photographer and the model. There's a few mm. looks and a few... A few moments Flint. that are a bit too close for comfort. Well, she's a model. He's a photographer. Takes her picture. She's in, like, bikini or something. Or a slightly racist Native American outfit. Does that happen in this? Yes. Excellent. <laughs> so there's something going on there. Now, Bob is obsessed with taking this perfect photograph. And he sees on the wall of this cabin uh, a hunter... The, um, the guy who rents out the cabin knows and Bob decides that he wants to go and find this person and take his picture for his portfolio or something like that and he manages to convince Charles to come along with him uh, as well as his um, assistant Stephen and they get into the plane flown by the very essential plane pilot character who doesn't get a name on IMDb or in the credits probably <laughs> Right, fair enough. I've not looked into it that much. And they go to this cabin where the hunter is meant to be. And when they get there, they find a note that says, gone out hunting. So he's not there. He's off in the wilderness. And Bob goes, I really need to find this guy. I really want to find him and take his picture. We'll go back in the plane and we'll do a sweep of the area and see if we can spot him from the sky or find out where he's gone hunting. So they do that. They go up in the plane one more time. And as they're flying... They accidentally fly into a flock of seagulls, which sound like eagles. I hate it when films do that, dubbing an eagle sound over a flock of birds. Fair enough, it's, okay. It's not, it, it, it gets me. It, it's a nitpicky thing. Like in Sharknado, where there's a seagull that makes the noise of a pigeon. It irks me, Chris. <laughs> but it's a bird. But it doesn't make the sound of an eagle, All does it? All birds sound the same. No, no, they don't. Yeah. No, that that irritates me. So, yeah, this flock of girls flies in, mashes up all the propellers, uh, smash the glass, and cause the plane to go down. It narrowly misses a mountain, but it takes off one of its landing skis that they used to land on water, and the plane eventually crash lands into a lake in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. Now, during the chaos to try and escape... Charles has been given a knife the night before because the reason they've gone to Alaska is because it's Charles's birthday and he's one of these introvert guys that doesn't really like celebrating so they buy him presents and one of them is the knife which he uses to save Stephen from the plane because his buckle has jammed and he can't get it off so Charles saves him swims him up to the surface Bob is already at the surface after weakly trying to save the pilot I think he'd already been killed the pilot during the crash i think the impact in the water finished him off so bob's already at the surface and they managed to get to shore and get to safety so the death of the very important and very significant plane pilot is the one that we are trying to survive in this situation chris so what about mickey mickey's not on the plane no she stays at home it's just the boys that have gone oh, of out course, with yeah, them. I yeah. Went. Okay. so i didn't make that clear sorry yeah right plane pilot phil his name was Phil. You're giving him a name? Yes. Very emotional. Yes. Do you not see the seagulls? When it's too late. Not a very good pilot then, is he? No, he's not. No, terrible pilot. Okay. Is he a pilot that always flies for Charles? Or is he... Because, I mean, 
if he always flies for Charles, then it's understandable why he's like, yeah, I'll do these little short trips all over the place for you. But I mean, if he's a proper pilot, I'd have it in my contract. But like, I'm flying you there, flying you back. I'm not meant to do any flying in between. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because if he is Charles's private pilot, then Charles is, he's a businessman. He's a billionaire. So he's going to be flying around in the city, isn't he? And not yeah. out in the in the wild in Alaska. Because they're two very different places to fly planes, aren't they? I, I don't know. I, I've never flown a plane. Well, there's like turbulence and, and stuff like that. And birds. Do they not have... They have birds in the city. That's piloting 101. Avoid birds. That's what the entire film was based on of Tom Hanks, wasn't it? That true event, whatever it was. You know, when they land on the, the river. The birds? <laughs> Sully. <laughs> Sully, yes. I knew what you meant. Not the Hitchcock Dick. film. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not sure how that plane came out. It might have been a bird. I remember birds. that happening. I was on work experience. I have no memory of it happening. You were on that plane, Chris, though. <laughs> You are you Sully. Are Sully. Damn. Inception theme plays in. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about pilots for some reason. No, yeah. So, yeah, if he's Charles's personal pilot, this is a, a, a an environment that he's not used to flying in. But if he is a, a local Alaskan pilot, then he should know better. And there was a throwaway line where I think it was Charles's personal assistant is talking to a pilot and there's a throwaway line where Oh, you have to watch out for birds and turbulence. They hit birds and probably turbulence. Well, in that case, let's assume this pilot is a city pilot and is not used to the Alaskan wild. Don't do it. Get somebody who's local to the area. You're going to a, a hostile environment or what could be hostile. Get, you know, a local pilot. It gets pilot. very hostile. I, I should think it does. Get, a, yeah, a local pilot. Somebody who knows it. Somebody who's flown it for many years. And make sure they're called Phil. Phil. <laughs> they got the same name as you just christened them. Yeah. Again, with that, is it's it's weird because Bob is the one calling the shots in this situation. He's the one that's eager to go out and find this guy. So maybe he wouldn't wait for a, an established pilot. And maybe there was a bribe. You know, hey, take us to this place and we'll give you some money. Why has he got to take a picture of this hunter dude anyway? I don't know. They're going to go through all this trouble and a hunter guy's going to be like, no, I don't want my picture taken. Yeah. And he's going to like break Bob's camera because he took the picture anyway. It is a very tenuous and weak reason to get these characters into this survival situation. Yeah, I don't like it. And the writing for this film is wonky in places, but for the most part, it's okay. It's an average film with Anthony Hopkins. A not-so-average actor. I know, yes, a very, very not-so-average actor. Although I did question it in parts in this film. Is he is he a bad actor? No, it's a, it's a character choice. Okay, so we're agreed, local pilot. Or wait for the hunter to come back or give yeah, him a ring or, or something. They're there for like a week. There's plenty of time to meet this guy and take his picture to stalk him. Yeah. <laughs> creepy. Yeah, it is very creepy. So yeah, the plane goes down and Charles instantly begins to show off his expertise of survival books that he's read. He makes a fire... Uh, well, Bob gets a bit impatient and starts a fire with a flare that they need to save to signal mm. that they're they're lost. So he he uses that to start a fire, and then once they're all warm and not in danger of dying of hypothermia, Charles comes up with the idea a lot. Well, he comes up with lots of ideas to try and find out where they need to go. Now he knows that they've got to travel south because that's the way they came from. He floats some ideas. 
about using your watch to try and find north because I think if you point the hour hand at the, or the minute hand at the sun and then between the hour and the minute hand that's north uh, but none of them have a working watch of course so Charles comes up with another idea of using a needle magnetising the needle putting it on a leaf in some water and then the magnetised needle points north and then you can go south from there so they do that and it works for the most part and they travel in the direction that they think is south until they run across a bear called Bart played by Bart the Bear naturally and it's the thing I do like about this film is that it's a real bear a real trained bear yes and of course it's trained <laughs> but yeah for the most part and there are some scenes obviously where they need a prosthetic bear but for the most part it is a real bear interacting with real people which is I I, I like I like that the bear wasn't harmed in the filming of the film by the way so that's Excellent. a good thing that's good yeah so obviously these three are freaked out by this giant Kodiak bear, grizzly bear, that has crossed their path. Now, they were given a very sinister talking to before they got stranded in the woods by the owner of the cabin who told them, we got a bear problem. If you see a bear, you should slowly walk away from it and try not to wander on it again. And yeah, bears, creepy foreshadowing if you're in a cabin and a guy is talking about creepy things you should leave that cabin no stay hear the end of the story he's foreshadowing your doom chris so they did the birds and the bear birds so both, and the bear. both things have been foreshadowed yes true they see this bear and they walk away but then they hear the bear is following them the bear is stalking them it's oh hunting them so then you have a real problem the guys have to cross a raging river and they do this by pulling a log the, from a fallen tree, bridging that across the river, and then they have to tightrope walk across this log with a bear chasing them. <laughs> so This sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's nerve-wracking stuff. So Bob and Stephen get over it uh, with no problem, and uh, Charles is the last one to run across. The bear arrives, dislodges the rock, uh, the log, sorry, and plunges Charles into the water. Bob manages to get down to the water quick enough so that Charles isn't swept away and killed uh, by the, the water. And the bear is stuck on the other side of the river, can't get across, and leaves them alone to carry on. Charles is very happy that uh, Bob saved him. Uh, he's still very suspicious of Bob, though, because he's, he's a bit paranoid at this point and thinks that Bob wants to kill him, take his money, and take... Uh, Mickey, his lovely wife. So there's a bit of why, Charles? Why? Why the paranoia? Well, because he's a rich person, and that's what he thinks all the time, apparently. Or that's what Bob thinks that he thinks. Does he need to get out of the clothes because you know hypothermia? No, they've already warmed themselves up. Oh, well, from the second dunking in the river. Yeah, second dunking. They skim over that, I think. No, they shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, for a film that focuses on the details of surviving stuff, they. They skim over that one pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, I don't like that. No. Okay, so they wander on for a bit longer, and guess where they end up, Chris? The hunter's cabin? No, they end up back where they started. <laughs> so they've done a circle. <laughs> yes, so they've been distracted by the bear. Charles's needle uh, trick hasn't worked because he's got a belt buckle on, a metal belt buckle, which has thrown the needle off. 
Oh dear. Which, yeah, a big oh dear. Throw the belt away and try again. Yeah, they do try again, but not before everyone gets a bit huffy. Charles has to calm down Stephen. Uh, and he does this by giving him a knife and telling him, you know, calm down, we'll we'll survive, we'll find something to eat, we'll be okay. Here's the knife, make a spear so we can catch some fish. Distract him that way. He goes off, has a talk with Bob, who goes, hey, seriously, man, how are we going to get out of this? What are our chances? But before Charles can answer, uh, Stevens shouts out in pain. He's accidentally cut himself. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> he's cut his leg using the knife whilst he's been whittling these spears. And uh, Charles manages to make a makeshift tourniquet and stops the bleeding and gives the bloodied rags to Bob to bury. To bury, Chris. It's very important to bury bloody rags. Why? To not attract bears and other predators. Exactly. We think Bob's gone off and done this, and that night it's raining. They've managed to build a shelter, and Stevens goes, Hey, Charles, you're all right. You're not as bad as I thought you were. Despite the fact that you're a billionaire, you're quite down to earth. Which is good, you know, it's a nice touching character moment between them. Bob and Charles go off for another little chat, and during the course of that chat, some lightning uh, illuminates a bloody rag swinging off a tree. Oh, for goodness sake, Bob. Bob didn't bury it, as you correctly guessed, and he's hung it on a branch. The smell of blood is in the air, which, of course, attracts the bear. Stevens is alone, injured. The bear attacks, uh, bites down on his leg, which is the injured part. The bear is briefly distracted by Bob and Charles, who uh, grab some logs from the fire and start wielding it, but the bear is too much for them. It bats them back and begins to attack Stevens again. Uh, He doesn't stand a chance. The bear is picking up this poor stunt actor. I know the bear's probably trained, but he's upside down, his leg hanging in the mouth of this bear, just being ragdolled about. Oh my god. And maul. And then eventually the bear finishes off Stevens with a a bite to the throat, and there's a cry, and it's cut short. Um, Bob's already gone and Charles follows him quickly as the bear chows down on Dean. So what do you make of this whole situation? Well, it's Bob's fault, isn't it? Fucking Bob. He doesn't do as he's told. He attracts the bear and puts his own life in danger. Dick. (laughs) Where are those spears that Stevens was doing? Um, I'm not sure. But wherever they are, they're not close enough to hand. Okay, if it was me in this situation, especially if I'm injured, once the, the, you know, we've done a tourniquet and stopped the bleeding... I would have wanted to continue making the spears and I would have slept with them beside me, directly beside me, at least two of them. So when bear comes along and he jumps on you, you can hold both spears up. The bear would land on them. Obviously, the weight of the bear is going to go straight through them anywhere. Yeah. You might get crushed under the bear and he also have to push it off of you, but you should, in theory, be able to kill it or hurt it enough that it backs off. Yeah. Well, you've correctly predicted how the bear meets its end in, in that way. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Um, But yeah, if you are... Stephen, then you'd want a crutch or something just to take the weight off of that bad wheel. You're going to want something, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily a club, or but something like a walking stick to try and... Because you do eventually in the morning, if you're not attacked by a bear, you will have to walk on a bad leg. So you will want a walking stick or, or something to take that weight and make sure that you're not slowing everyone down. So you'd want a stick within reach and then you can use it to hit the bear or distract the bear 
Now, the thing with this bear is that I've been on the internet and I've looked at how to survive a bear attack. And most of them, the suggestions are you walk into a bear and it's eating or it's got a cub. You slowly back away and you show no fear and you pretend to be bigger than you are. And you walk away and slowly keeping an eye on the bear. Don't run because if you run, the bear will think you're prey and it will chase you and eat you. Of course. So most of the suggestions I could find is things like that if you stumble on the bear. The problem is this bear has got the taste of human flesh and is actively hunting these three people, which is why it managed to track them down so quickly and why it tracks them down again a little later on in the film. So you do have to be prepared for a fight. Yep, spear it up. At least two spears each. Per person? Per person. A minimum of two spears each. Uh, The spear ration has been lifted. (laughs) Thank God. Been plaguing us for too long, a spear ration. But and yeah, a flare gun. and a flare, no flare guns. He could have. I think there is one more flare that they could have used. It's not like a shooty flare. It's a yeah. stick flare. I suppose you could have, about. rather than waving about the um, using it as a weapon. You running and you attack the bear with flare. Why? It's after Stevens. You like stab it. Set its fur on fire. Well, it is raining, so the fur. Oh, might of not course, catch, it's so raining. It's, it's damp, and that's probably why the fire didn't work as well because the bear's fur is damp. If they do manage to make contact with the bear's fur. It won't catch fire, so... Flammable water? No such thing. Unless there's a thin layer of petrol on it. Yeah, everyone knows that Alaskan rain has a thin layer of petrol. Oh, no. Well, it is highly mined for oil, is uh, Alaska, so maybe. There you go. Potentially, yeah, but not in this situation, Chris, I'm, I'm sorry to say. That is unfortunate. Yeah. So, big stick. Hit the bear in the face. Spears. Stab it as it jumps on you. Aim for the neck. Yeah, you've predicted the end of the film. So, Excellent. I say the end of the film. It's not the end. Do they kill the bear? And Bob was like, oh, we've done it. I'm actually going to kill you, Charles. And then they have a fight, do they? Which Did ends, you secretly write this film? Which ends with Charles... I want to say winning. And he gets killed by a moose. By, by another bear. No. Um, so, Charles, Charles and Bob are left on their own. And they continue walking on. And the bear catches up with them again whilst Charles is fishing uh, Anthony Hop- Hopkins I guess he's about 50 during the period of this film manages to outrun a bear of course I mean any person can he wouldn't be able to in real life uh, Usain Bolt wouldn't be able to outrun a bear over a long distance and Charles runs quite a distance and what you're meant to do is you're meant to zigzag because bears are four-legged and four-legged creatures can't corner as well as us nimble two-legged creatures so he should have done that he doesn't but he still manages to escape the bear that aside when he does uh, manage to lose the bear he finds bob and goes right we're gonna kill this sucker because it's hunting us and we want some sweet revenge so they whittle some spears the bear shows up and they have a fight they retreat for a bit into uh, a small stream bob is knocked back and then Charles falls back, jams a spear into a rock, steadying it. Bear rears up, goes to pounce on him. Spear impales Bear. Then we go to Bob's perspective, and we think Charles has been crushed under the weight of the bear. Fortunately, he hasn't. It's just the bear's arm is on him. The full weight of the bear didn't land on him, because if it did, it would kill the 50-year-old 
Anthony Hopkins. Fair enough. So Bear is dead and Bob and Charles are still alive. The friendship improved because they bonded over murdering a bear. Really? Bob didn't try to kill Charles? No. There is 20 minutes of the film left, though, at this point. <laughs> 20 minutes? Yes. It's a long time. That's weird for the main thing. Yeah, I thought the bear would have been the main thing, but no. So the last 20 minutes is dedicated to these two walking, and it's, it's, it's starting to snow now. So they, uh, they butcher the bear, make fur coats out of it, eat its meat. They're, you know, fully restored back to full health and are warm powered back up again. yes the power of bear and they wander along and they find an abandoned hunting cabin it's not the one that the hunter is at that they were looking right. for it's a completely different one it's been abandoned for a few years but there is a gun there and there are there's whiskey there and a few medical supplies and stuff and charles's worst fears come to fruition and bob gets the gun and in a weird, out-of-character moment, he decides, yep, I'm going to kill Charles and run off with Mickey. Charles also finds out that their affair is real. and He finds a receipt in the box that his uh, knife came in. That um, It's a receipt for a watch for Bob from Mickey. Uh, with an engraving saying, hey, thanks for all those nights. If you know what I mean... Why has Bob got to try to kill Charles, though? I don't know. Well, he should have done him and Mickey. He sit down with Charles and be like, we're having this affair. It's over, mate, between you two. Charles seems fairly laid back. And he doesn't look... Especially in this situation, he's not going to hit Bob. He'll wait until they're in a safer place where they're not in danger of freezing or starving to death and then hash it out. But yeah, Bob goes completely mental, picks up the gun, threatens... Charles with it they go outside and Bob he's very nervous he wants Charles to turn around he doesn't want to shoot Charles in the face Charles doesn't turn around he takes a step forward Bob takes a step back and this hunting cabin is protected from bears with a dead pit I think it's called it's a pit that's covered over with twigs and and leaves and stuff with spikes at the bottom Bob takes a step back falls into this pit impales his leg on one of the spears that's hidden under it charles does his best medicates bob ties his leg up he saves him he saves him oh for fuck's sake charles gets him out of the pit puts him on a canoe charles paddles over this river to the other side sets up a fire and the two are still having a talk bob's going i would have killed you i would have killed you and charles is like nah you wouldn't and bob goes Nah, I wouldn't have really. I don't know what I was doing. Uh, a helicopter flies over. Charles rushes over, smokes up a fire, waves his coat on a ridge, leaving Bob next to the fire. Oh, God. Bob gets up or tries to get up, makes a move, and then dies from blood loss and infection and stuff from his wound. Charles goes over. Bob's dead. There's nothing he can do. Helicopter rescues him, brings back the body of Bob. And when Charles gets back to the cabin, uh, he goes up to his wife and hands her Bob's watch, sort of showing that he knows about the affair. And then there's loads of press there because this is a big story. Billionaire goes missing in the wild. And one of the reporters goes, hey, it's Bernie McScoopyface from the, the Daily Bugle. 
How did you manage to survive in the, in the wilderness? And what happened to your friends? How did they die? And Charles goes, they died saving my life. And that's how the film ends. It fades to black. But it's a really long fade and it doesn't fade properly to back and the white of Anthony Hopkins' moustache lingers longer. So That's weird. <laughs> it's, okay. It's a weird ending, but yeah. Bob dies threatening to shoot Charles, but gets impaled. Yeah. And Why? Why are you threatening to shoot him? Why have you got to take him outside? Bob shouldn't have said anything until they'd got back and then they should, should have sat down with Mickey and then they'd be like, this is what's happened we're having an affair Mickey doesn't want to be with you anymore I want to be with her sort of thing get a divorce just go through it it's over don't try and then Charles had been like you know what I'm a multi-billionaire you guys go off and you can have your little cottage affair or whatever I'm going to build a transformer yeah <laughs> he's in The Last Night did you know that Anthony Hopkins last night? Yes, yeah. because whenever I see the trailer for the last night and I see Anthony Hopkins and he's like he's rubbing that cross and it shows all the wars and stuff, I think, oh, this looks good. And then it's I can remember those Transformers. Film. No. I, I, when it, it starts, it doesn't you. look like, yeah, it doesn't look like it's Transformers okay. until it goes, Optimus Primus left us. And the floating in space. The music as Optimus is floating in space. Oh, the music did what, what the film was doing and showing. The music is an audio description of the movie. Holy shit, all Transformers films are shit. But yes, so yeah, Bob, that's really out of character. And he still needs Charles, because Charles is the only reason that they're alive, because of his knowledge. So stupid. I, I don't want to save Bob. Nah, fuck Bob. Yeah, it's wonky writing on the film. On the, I mean, there are lots of moments where... Oh, Charles, you're brilliant. How do you know this sort of stuff? And then immediately, Charles, you're an out of you're an out of touch rich prick, and you don't know the struggles of a little man. Ah, oh, Charles, you're brilliant. You thought of a bear. Ah, oh, Charles, you're a prick and you're rich. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Okay. I don't, I don't get it, but yeah, that's that's how the film ends. If you'd gone through all this, would you have protected the reputation of Bob, or would you have gone? He tried to shoot me in the face. No, I'd say I'd be like, Bob right, threatened to kill me. Steven's a good dude. Got eaten by a bear. Yeah. I also hire some really, really good divorce lawyers. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think that's what the watch means. Yeah, I, know, I mean, he's staying the affair, but I make sure I'd hire some, some really good ones. She's not getting nothing. Not even a watch. <laughs> Give her the watch. And I get, take the watch I get the watch back. back. I want the watch. So that was The Edge, Chris. Okay, it seems like a good film. Did that push us to the edge in survival methods? No, it wasn't too hard, actually. To, to, I mean, the bear attack things, not not to say anything to any people who've you know survived real bear attacks, but to uh, in terms of the film and what they had, it didn't seem like it was too difficult to survive that. I wasn't racking my brain trying to think, how am I going to do this? Well, they would need a stick and a spear and... Yeah, which they had. So we, we, we had those things yeah, available and they, to us. Yeah, and they would have to all team up together to fight the bear, Charles, Bob. And Unless you're Leonardo DiCaprio. Does he fight? A, oh no! Yeah, the Revenant. Re- Revenant. Yeah. You seen that? Does he beat that bear? He falls off a cliff. He stabs with the, the bear, bear, doesn't he? Then I think other people turn up, don't they, and shoot the bear while he's like stabbing. Well, he's got help. He's got a gun. Yeah, it doesn't help him much. He gets one shot with it. Yeah, bears are quite hardy. You'd have to place the shot really well. Yeah. But the, these guys don't have guns, so yeah, they would have to team up on the bear, like they did when they eventually did kill the bear. That would have helped uh, Stephen. So, mm. yeah, bear attacks are pretty rare, and ones attacks that are 
the bear actively hunting people are especially rare because we're not the greatest prey for bears because we're we're mostly bone and we're not fat and and, and squishy things like fish and stuff so yeah don't hunt us bears we're not nutritionally valuable so yeah that's it for this week chris there is no news because plot twist we're doing this from the belly of a bear we've been eaten by bears multiple bears nice <laughs> so no news this week so yeah um is there anything else you want to add chris before we go watch the revenant for another good survival story that's set in a snowy landscape that has involves a bear and revenge and tom hardy but not Anthony Hopkins. It's not Hannibal versus a bear, is it? No, it's... Uh, that guy guys... from Titanic versus a bear. Well, I mean, they're both Inception, aren't it? So it's them just dreaming from Inception Bear-ception? about what they do. <laughs> Bearception. Yeah. Okay, how do people get in contact with us? Ah, well, you can email the show at wecouldsurvive.gmail.com. You find us on Twitter at We Could Survive. We're on YouTube, Podomatic, iTunes. Just put in We Could Survive that, and hopefully you'll find us. But yeah, but YouTube. Where you, did you say that? I wasn't. I s- yeah, I said. Yeah. I think I said YouTube. Okay. YouTube anyway. <laughs> Stitcher, we're but there yes. as well. Do we know what we're doing next? Have we got anything planned, or Not are we winging clue. it? Not a clue. Excellent. In that case, then we're going to see you all next week. But until then, keep on surviving and don't have affairs or bears. Have a bear. Have a bear affair. A bear affair. Nice. Necessities. Forget about your worries and your stresses.